Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 70. This week's feature, what are the top essential games for any gamer's collection? We'll also be talking about Smash Up, It's All Your Fault, and our acquisition disorders. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is Daniel. Welcome to the episode, everybody. We have a fun-filled episode for you as long as we can actually speak and get words out because allergies are killing us and we don't want this to turn into the allergy podcast so if we all sound a little bit different to you it's because the trees are trying to kill us except for me i'm fine haha <laughs> okay <Yeah>. daniel's a <laughs> jerk <laughs> rubbing it in <laughs> <sighs> stop fresh air. sweet air <laughs> stop breathing in all the air man <laughs> uh, maybe daniel's so, a tree i mean he's probably working yeah. for the trees he's a tree spy that tree cabal, man, it gets it's everywhere. <laughs> the ants are going to war. This would be it's like int biological warfare. I think that's pretty much it. It's like the happening, but a lot less horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and by horrible, I mean that movie. That movie was horrible. Yes, except, yes, except, it truly was. Except Zoe Deschanel, because she's never horrible, even when she's in a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> so for this episode, our feature review is going to be. The new essential board games. So whether you're starting a collection, trying to rebuild something, or trying to help someone build a new collection, 
these are the essential games that you should be looking out for in order to build a big and quality gaming library to play with your friends and family. Yes, and it's not just another list full of Catan and Ticket to Ride and all the other games that you've heard a billion times, even if you're new to the hobby. These are different games. These are new! The new essentials! Yay! It's what all the cool kids are doing. Come on, man. <laughs> and between the three of us, we own at least two copies of most of these. So <laughs> so there you go. That's, that, that's a good uh, rubric to go by. If we all own the game, then you know it's absolutely an essential part of any collection. Yeah, we yes. have put our money where our mouth is. And our opinion is the only one that matters. <laughs> Well, I thought that because was obvious. Anthony. You are listening to our podcast. So. <laughs> well, it's definitely one of those situations where you know an essential game, as Anthony was saying, when one of us owns it, and basically we're playing games together all the time, so there's no reason to own multiple copies. It's literally the smartest move you can make in building a collection is don't have a gaming group that you all own the same games. And yet at the same time, if you feel like you still need to own this game, it is an essential part to your collection, and we'll talk about those games a little bit later. And as always, Drew is still circling a rondelle, so hopefully we'll see him back once again either in the future or in the past. So be sure to keep an ear out for him either in future or past episodes. Now with all that said, let's get on to the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Shout it from the tabletops. <laughs> Sir, you're going to need to get down from there. What we wanted to talk about, what we've been talking about the last several weeks, is all of these award lists, all of these top lists, and now we have something really interesting for you. Smash Up, the card game, actually has a new expansion coming out. It's called It's Your Fault. Now, what's really funny with It's Your Fault as an expansion is that, in fact, what they're trying to do is get player feedback on what new faction should be added to the game, and they've done this. So at this point, when you're listening to this podcast, they've taken all of the gamers' responses, they mashed it up into a bracket system of 32 games, and what I thought we could do is kind of go through the 32 games, and we actually have the 16 winners out of that. So now it's going to be a bracket of 16. I got a chance to add one of my ideal factions to this list. For the list of 32, the matchups were Cowboys versus Witches. What do you guys think there? Uh, I voted. I can tell you what I voted for. Yeah, what did you vote for? I voted for Cowboys. Anthony? Yeah. Cowboys. And Cowboys was the winner. Matchup two was Knights versus Samurais. What do you guys think? Samurai. I voted for Samurai. Knights was the winner. What? Yeah, that, that does not make sense to me. I would, I could have sworn Samurai would win, but maybe they felt it would be too similar to the existing ninja faction. I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe. Match three was dragons versus giants. Dragons. Dragons. Dragons was the winner. Match of four was superheroes versus hippies. Superheroes. <laughs> I almost want to say hippies because I feel like people would vote for that. I did vote for hippies, but superheroes did win. Ah. Match five was clowns versus chefs. Chefs. Clowns. Clowns was the winner. Ah. Matchup six was merfolk versus birds. Birds? Birds, I guess. (laughs) Merfolk was the winner there. Okay. (laughs) Matchup seven was kaiju versus elementals. I'm going to go with elementals. 
I'm gonna go Kaiju. Kaiju was the winner. Uh, Matchup eight. Not doing all right today. I keep I keep losing these. Damn it. <laughs> Matchup eight was wrestlers versus toys. 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 And yeah. Answer. Yeah, probably toys. And it was toys. All right. Matchup nine was sharks versus mummies. Mm. Mummies. Sharks. I'm gonna go sharks. And the winner was sharks. I am just not. <laughs> Where's your die when you need her? Yeah, this huh? is not my game, huh? <laughs> Matchup ten was goblins versus jocks. Uh. Okay, um, goblins. I actually don't remember what I voted for here, but goblins. Let's go goblins. And it was goblins. Matchup eleven: hackers versus genies. Mm. Genies. genies. The winner was. Genies. Matchup twelve: Vikings versus Druids. So I would have, I would have, I voted for Druids. Vikings are pretty popular right now. I'll roll that way. And the winner was Vikings. Yeah, I am destroying this poll. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> well, matchup thirteen was Demons versus Gangsters. Mm. Demons, demons. Yeah, knowing the audience. And the winner was Gangsters. What? Really? Yep. Okay. Matchup fourteen: Lizard Men versus Hipsters. <laughs> hipsters. I'm sorry that you just repeated the same the same category twice. No. Hipster. Wait, no, hipsters. No, no. So what are the, the two choices? Lizard Men versus Hipsters. I'm not, I'm not hearing any difference with the words you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the same things, right? Yes, it's they're they're both slee slacks. Both slee slacks. Uh, I'll go with lizards. And the winner was Lizard Men. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so, I voted for hipsters. I don't know what happened there. Match 15 was Greek Myth versus Luchadores. Greek Myth. Greek Myth, yeah. And Greek Myth was the winner. And the last matchup was Mechs versus Angels. Ooh, that's... I'm going to have to go with Mechs, but both of those could have been cool. Mm. And? Yeah, Angels. Angels is interesting. And the winner was Mechs, actually. Hmm. All right, so let's head over to AEG and take a look at their top 16, and let's see what we're going to pick. So the first matchup is Cowboys versus Mechs. What do you guys think? I I like robots. I mean, I like Cowboys, too. That one's actually really hard for me, but mm-hmm. I like robots too much to not pick Mechs. I kind of want a Cowboys-Mechs deck. I'm going to go with Mechs. Uh, matchup two: Sharks versus Toys. Hmm. I'm I'm doing Toys. Yeah, I'm going Toys too. But this is a. I don't know. It's not a. Neither jumps out at me unless there's a lot of Sharknado cards in there. I think that's all they're gonna. It's be all Sharknado, Sharknado cards. cards. I'm gonna go with Toys. That was my original vote that started this whole thing off. So hopefully that'll that'll hang on there. Match three is superheroes versus gangsters superheroes gangsters doesn't seem that interesting to me mm-hmm. yeah yeah superheroes could be really interesting you mix that up with a lot of other things yeah you might have some uh good fellas kind of casino kind of scarface but yeah superheroes how, how do you not go with superheroes yeah match four is clowns versus vikings which one is scarier scarier <laughs> probably clowns. clowns more interesting though vikings so i'm gonna vote for vikings yeah All right. definitely <laughs> i'm voting for clowns because you know if it's a dark alley i'd rather see a viking coming at me than a clown <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Match five is Knights versus Greek Myth. I'm going to pick Greek Myth here because it's so variable. It gives you a lot of opportunities. I also want to note their seeding system is bizarre. I, I don't know how these two, like how Knights ended up being number two. And well, much more interesting options. Anyway, but yeah, I'm yeah. going to pick Greek Myth. I'm going to go with, I guess I'm going to go with Greek Myth. Uh because it's probably a little more interesting to see on the cards and, and probably has more of a diversity. Knights is... I'm a big Knight fan. I'm not sure. Probably go with Greek Myth. Match six, Goblins versus Elementals. Goblins, I guess. Eh, yeah, let's... let's. Though I am kind of curious to see... You know what? No, I'm going to switch over to Elementals. Even though I think Goblins are easier, I'm curious to see what Elementals they come up with beyond, like, air fire water earth right there's got they've got to like get creative and throw in some new different kinds of elementals i'm looking forward to like i don't know the bamboo elemental that'd be fun i'm in <laughs> yeah, for that not? let's do elementals i'm doing elementals i'm doing elementals i'm gonna go goblins because i know what i'm gonna get elementals exact same thing you said except i don't know what they're gonna do with that so mm. man, goblins are funny they're always funny and match seven, dragons versus lizardmen. This is like giant lizardmen that can breathe fire <laughs> and fly versus really bad dragons that are on the ground. Like, dragons are just the superior form of lizardmen. I don't... This is an incredibly unfair contest. It's gotta be dragons. You don't have to vote. It's Evolution is already taking care of it for you. It's not... Right? Like... I don't understand how Lizardmen reached this level out of everything on that list. All right, and match eight is Merfolk versus Hackers. I'm going to be honest, I kind of hate Merfolk. I don't know why I hate Merfolk. What did they ever do to you, man? Did they steal your woman? They just (laughs) annoy me. I don't know why I just never got into mermaids. Maybe my sister made me watch... My uh, the, the the Little Mermaid one too many times or something, but so I'm gonna go hackers. I'm I'm in the exact same boat, and I again also don't know why. Uh, hackers kind of annoy me too. Really, just the word hacker annoys me. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like it could be funny if done tongue in cheek. Hacker plants that'd be kind of fun to play. Hacker I'm... bears. Hacker bears. Yeah. You gotta go merfolk. You gotta have the little mermaid, and you gotta have the creature from the back lagoon in the same deck. Yeah, you can go that way. I don't know if you <laughs> gotta go that way. I mean, the hackers are gonna win because they're gonna hack in and change the scores after we vote. So, <laughs> well, we could only hope. I, I'm sure that's the reason that they ended up on the list to begin with. Yep. <laughs> All right. So the list of 16s up there. If you get to this immediately, you can jump on and vote. If you don't, then the list of eight will be available for you. And we'll keep an eye on this and let you know what the final results are. If you haven't got a chance to play Smash Up yet, check it out. It's a lot of fun. You get a bunch of mixed decks. You take two factions, you smash them up, and you shuffle them together. And then you play these actions and you play the minions. It's a very fast, fun, and phonetic game. And typically it plays about... Ideally, I would say four players, right? I think that's probably the best number for that. Yeah, I think that's a good number. And now, our acquisition disorders. 
Acquisition Tesaurus, that's crazy. Only needs the base game. Nothing else but the base game. The base game and the expansion. See? Nothing else. Just the base game and the expansion and the promos. The base game, the expansion, and the promos, and of course, the upgraded components. Why wouldn't you have the upgraded components? So the base game, the expansion, the promos, and the upgraded components. See? That's not too much, but maybe... Uh, I don't now know, maybe on to our Acquisition Disorders. All right, which of you guys are up first? Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Come on, guys. <laughs> Anthony, why don't you start us off? All right, cool. So uh, I had a couple of... Uh... Leroy Jenkins! I'm taking over, guys. I want to talk about the... Uh, I don't know. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. Uh-oh. <laughs> Chris, we talked about this. Uh... Talked about this. <laughs> For ten years, we've been talking about this. <laughs> I, I know we had a plan, but I, I thought I could run in there and, and kind of, you know win the day but yeah we're just I gonna let not. the the dragon things murder you so you know again yeah pretty much <laughs> this is one dangerous podcast to be on every tuesday <laughs> every tuesday all right anthony why don't you actually start off all right <laughs> um cool so i have a couple of games that i've been keeping my eye on one that i'm considering backing and one that i'm having a tough time even remotely coming close to considering backing <laughs> I'll start with the latter first, actually, because this is a game that I saw some interesting information on, and the pitch was very interesting, and then I saw what the price was going to be, and I uh, backed off a little bit. It's called WarQuest. It's a Glenn Drover game, and Glenn Drover is, he started Eagle Griffin way back when. He worked on um, Railroad Tycoon, Railways of Europe, Conquest of the Empire, Age of Empires Three. so all those big, you know, meaty... Uh, exploration games that came out in the the mid-2000s. And the game looks interesting. I mean, if if it's anything like like the rest of his games, it's going to be a solid game. It's going to be very deep and have a lot of components and do a lot of interesting things. It has something like 115-plus miniatures, and there are stretch goals, and the map is huge. And, you know, you look through the list of components, and you're like, oh, nice, 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 nice. Plastic coins, but, you know, close enough. And then you get to the actual backing levels, and that's when I have trouble, because I think it starts at 120 just to get the game. And then if you actually want any of the extra stuff, it starts going up rapidly. I think the top level to get everything all in is, like, 260 bucks plus shipping. So you're looking at about $300 for a game that'll get in about a year. And obviously, this is it's Kickstarter. That's how Kickstarter works, and that's not the highest backing level I've ever seen on Kickstarter. But it is definitely above my top threshold for backing a game I have not played. So looking through it, it does look awesome. The sculpts for the Wraith King, which is a expansion that's sixty bucks you can add on, that it looks amazing. It's just so tough to justify. So that's an interesting game. I'm gonna keep an eye on it. We'll see kind of how it does and how many stretch goals it pulls in and um, I think as of recording this, it has about two weeks left, so you can definitely hop on and check it out and see how that one's doing, if it's worth taking a look at. The other game, which is the other game, which is very similar in terms of the beauty of the presentation, is Besieged, Sons of the Abyss. And Besieged is spelled with a B dash sieged because of reasons. It is a uh, cool meaning or not game. It's one of their, you know, half dozen a year Kickstarter campaigns. All of them look amazing, of course. It's got a certain cartoony aspect to it. Uh, Chris and I, you were just talking about this before the podcast. It's, it looks a lot like Ghost Stories, um, which I absolutely agree. Now that you've said that, it does look a lot like that in terms of the uh, 
the way the board's laid out and it's cooperative and you're trying to protect this space against incursion from outside it. But uh, it has something Ghost Stories does not, and that's like a hundred minis that look amazing. So uh, it's a cool mini or not game. You look at the miniatures, you look at the sculpts, and they are very, very pretty. And the I think the backing level here is around 90, so it's a little closer to where I'm willing to, to throw my hat in the ring. And it doesn't have like six other tiers for all the the extra stuff you just get everything so this is a game i'm also looking at i do really like that type of game that protect the uh the base tower defense style co-op game it plays one to six too which is very interesting for a game of this type to have that big of a play range so i'm gonna keep my eye on this one as well i think this one's actually gonna be just about over by the time uh this episode comes out so if you're listening to this it's probably already backed which means it'll probably hit store shelves sometime this year, I would imagine, probably before Christmas. It'll be interesting to see how it plays. Yeah, I think these projects are always a difficult one to kind of wrap your brain around and, and if you're sure to back it because especially with Cool Mini or Not, you're getting so much stuff. And they always have these outstanding stretch goals and these beautiful miniatures, but how much of all of that stuff are you actually getting out to the table and it is a big expense, and you probably can get it cheaper later, but you're not really going to get the exclusive stretch goals and things like that. So, man, it, it really does pull at you. The game has so many miniatures in it, and the thing that really catches my eye is, like, the exclusive that would make me want to buy it are the sculpted tokens. So, like, the health counters and the the bread and the gold and the stars. Like, the stuff that you, people never think to put in a game, um, but... They look really cool, and it would add a lot to the game, whereas extra miniatures are also very cool and add a lot to the game. But like you said, do you always get it to the table? Not necessarily. So it is, it is interesting to see what they've added in terms of uh, extra exclusives because it definitely makes me want them. Yeah, this definitely looks like a really exciting campaign, but I just came from backing a cool mini or not campaign, and I don't think I can afford a second. <laughs> they already have all your money for the year. Yeah, Blood Rage emptied my pockets. So I'll have to wait. Yeah, I do regret not backing Arcadia Quest because now that I see all the pieces and hear about the gameplay, I kind of really want it. (laughs) I think that the Kickstarter campaign didn't do a great job talking about how the game would actually play. And I'm regretting not backing it. But at the same time, I already have Rivet Wars. So, I don't know how much plastic can one man actually have. I mean, I'd like to find out, but <laughs> it may be just a little too much at this point. So, the moral of this is that Cool Mini or Not should send us free stuff. Yes. It wasn't that clear? Yes. That's, 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 that's <laughs> the real, the upshot of what we're saying right here. <laughs> so, what I'm looking at this week for my acquisition disorder is actually something to help with all my acquisition disorders. So I'm actually looking at the organizers and inserts from the Broken Token, in particular the Seven Wonders organizer. Now, I recently picked up the Babel expansion, and if you have it yourself, you understand how whatever was going on in their head as far as an insert was concerned, it was terribly, absolutely poorly designed because... You even move that box slightly and everything goes flying. So it's not even holding well in the expansion box. And ideally, I would like to have everything in one box, but that's not really working too. Seven Wonders has a lot of different tokens, has all of those cards, has those big wonder boards. And now with Babel, with these odd kind of pie-shaped pieces, 
you really do need something out of the ordinary. You just can't squeeze all of this stuff into a Plano box. So right now for this week, the Seven Wonders organizers from the Broken Token is something I actually might pick up because I need to get my Seven Wonders all together in one box. Yeah, I mean, having a good organizer makes a huge difference in how many times a week or a month or, you know, in a lifetime you can get a game out. So I definitely think there's something to buying those nice organizers, especially once you've invested in a, you know, a significant number of expansions and additional material. It's been a hard growing process being a gamer. You buy all these games, you love your games, and then you got to buy racks and shelves for all your games, and now you're more invested, and then you don't want your cards to get bent or damaged, and then you have to buy sleeves, and then you have to buy Plano boxes, or you got to buy baggies for all your tokens, and then, well, now you're at the point where you need organizers, and it's going too far. It's too much. <laughs> but at the same time, as, as you're saying, Daniel, it's true. If you can't get that game out to the table quickly and then back into the box – you're losing valuable gaming time at that table. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, my acquisition disorder this week is a game called Galaxy Command. It's on Kickstarter right now from Worthing- Worthington Publishing. It's a one to four player, 30 minute, very quick, sort of card driven space exploration and colonization game. The art for this game is part of what makes it stand out for me. They've got really beautiful images. And I actually think some of these might be public domain nasa captures from the hubble telescope or something i'm not entirely certain but they're gorgeous images of you know solar uh, star systems and that sort of thing uh and and the art across the board is good even on the the more original work uh so that's very exciting for me uh to have that nice quality art on a card driven game it looks pretty simple so i don't know how you know how how durable it will be as a member of a gaming collection and unfortunately it's backing period ends in 10 days which means that it ends before fall of magic which i am saving up for so it is the worst kind of acquisition disorder in that it is an acquisition disorder that i know will go unsatisfied but it does look like a really cool game and i suggest anyone interested in this sort of uh, space exploration exploration or colonization themes uh, or anyone who likes simple card-driven games that are, you know, sort of fast to play, quick moving, and, you know, rules light but play heavy, strategy heavy, I guess, or maybe, maybe more tactics heavy. Uh, take a look at it. Cool looking game. And now, BGA's feature review. This week's feature is our gamer frequently asked questions the new essential games for your collection. So whether you're starting a brand new collection, trying to fill those holes in your current collection, or recommending games for people to pick up so that they have a well-rounded collection to invite family and friends down to the table, these new games would be essential for your collection. Now, as we said earlier, when we're looking at essential games, we're looking at the games that cannot be replaced, at least in this current time frame, cannot be replaced by any other game, and is a game that, even if your friends have that game, it's something that you want to pick up because it's definitely an essential game to own. So we have the top 15 essential games that you should add to your collection right away. So starting off, we want to talk about Alhambra. Anthony, why don't you tell us why this game is an essential game in your collection? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so this is a game I picked up ooh, a long time ago. 
Um, but it was one of in the a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Well, where <laughs> else would you get it? In a yeah. copyright infringement coming up very fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's Disney now. Don't mess around. So Alhambra was one of the first games I played uh, when I got into hobby gaming. It was just happened to be a game that someone taught me at a uh, myriad. And I initially ended up playing it two or three times over the course of, you know, a few months. And I realized every time I played, there was always two or three new gamers there, you know, in a gaming group. But, like, this was the first time they'd played it or it was the first time in the group. Uh, it just seemed to be the kind of game that would come out in that kind of setting. Um, so it was a game I picked up because I, I thought to myself, you know, I need a game that I can easily teach to my wife to her family to my family to you know friends who maybe aren't gamers and they come over um but that isn't necessarily a gateway game that will bore me to tears so this was kind of the uh, in-between game for that it's super expandable so if you are a gamer and you want to add more stuff to it there's some ridiculous number of expansions for this thing i think there's like six but then they each have modules so it's actually closer to 25 <laughs> um, you can exp- and not all of those are good, obviously, but I think like two thirds of them are good. So it's a it's a pretty solid expandable base. Um, but even just the base game is so quick and easy to play, and you can have a conversation over it. And it's it's not wholly unique anymore. There's a lot of games that kind of do more with it, but it's very solid. It's one of the first games I would pick up if like all my games spontaneously combusted. This would be one I have to get right away. Yeah, this is a queen big box game, as you were saying, Anthony, with just unlimited number of expansions. And for me, why this game is essential is because it is one of those type of gateway games that I never kind of cringe when someone's like, hey, you want to play a gateway game? I'm like, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to playing Alhambra each and every time. It has really good interaction between other players because you have to watch what they're building and then picking up the appropriate tiles at the right time. You get to build this really awesome tableau. And with the expansion, the game is endless. And this is definitely something to add to anyone's collection. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very fun, very quick little game. Uh, I've only played it a couple times, and I'm pretty sure I just got my butt whooped every time. But I still really enjoy it, and that's... That's something, you know, a good game should be fun to lose. And Alhambra is fun even when you lose. And I'm experienced in that, so trust me when I say that. So the next game as part of our essential collection is Diamonds. Shine so, bright like a diamond. Oh, we're going to get so sued this week. I know. It bothers <laughs> me, though. That song bothers Because, like, diamonds don't produce light, right? They're just reflective. And then she goes on to say, like, diamonds in the sky. Those are called stars, and stars actually do produce light, right? That would be a shine like a star. Uh, sorry. Welcome to the literal podcast with Daniel. It bothers me <laughs> way more than is rational. <laughs> it's a new segment. It's, what uh... bothers Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> What's bothering Daniel this week? You know what Poetry, man. Poetry. What's all those frilly words that they keep using? So Diamonds is a quick trick-taking game in which just like hearts, just like clubs, just like spades, you'll be playing cards in order to win tricks. But what's the fun thing about diamonds is it actually has some board game type of components. You're getting a vault, you're getting diamonds that you'll actually be able to pull in front of your vault or put inside your vault depending on how the cards play out. What makes this an essential game is because a lot of players out there in the gaming world above and beyond the hobby gaming world 
do like to play these trick-taking games. And yet, that's not the reason alone. Diamonds is actually a lot of fun. And it plays well with a large number of people, whether they're hardcore hobby gamers or they're new gamers to the habit. So, I don't know. If you're looking to pick up a card game and you want to bring somebody to the table, Diamonds is a great place to start. Yeah, Diamonds is another one of these uh, second-to-learn, lifetime-to-master sort of games. And it really is a a paradigmatic trick-taker. And it's probably the only one, or almost the only one, that Anthony will play, which should tell you something about its quality. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I put this one on the list because I knew we needed a trick-taking game, and this is the only one I was willing to endorse. So, (laughs) there you go. If you got to buy a trick-taking game, this is it. I think Stronghold Games should put that on each and every box because for you to endorse a trick-taking game is the highest of compliments. Begrudgingly endorsed by Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Because you got to own one. The next game on our list is Friday. So, if you're going to be solo gaming, you know it's going to be Anthony. So, Anthony, why don't you tell us a little bit about Friday? Yeah, definitely. So, last week on uh, my uh, first episode of my uh, solo gaming segment, I talked about how the first thing you should do if you want to play solo games is buy this game, Friday. It's inexpensive. It's really easy to find. It's really easy to learn. It takes very little time to play. It's immensely challenging, and every time you play is a little bit different. Basically, everything you want in a solitaire experience doesn't have a big footprint. It's it's perfect. And it's, for me, as someone who does play solo games, it's vital to my collection. I would absolutely replace it if something happened to it. If you do not play solo games and never plan to, you, you can... You can safely skip this one. It does not have a multiplayer variant. It is designed as a solo game, but that's what makes it so good for uh, what it does. So the next game as part of our Essential Collection is Summoner Wars. Now, Summoner Wars is part of any Essential Collection because it's a two-player game that allows you to play a faction versus another faction, and yet it's almost infinitely expandable because there are additional factions you can now combine in your deck. There are additional characters you can kind of put together and each faction plays very different from the next faction and yet at the same time the gameplay is simple it's quick it's fun and it's a really interesting game and it's a really a good price point game you don't have to get involved in a expensive ccg to enjoy building a faction deck yeah summoner wars is great because it scratches that magic itch it scratches that uh, sort of collectible card game itch without making you collect uh, and it scratches that uh mage wars itch without making you sacrifice your soul <laughs> a very simple little card battle game where you get a lot of the good from mage wars particularly is the one that seems most similar to me for without a lot of the excess that makes that game and games like it really intimidating yeah absolutely and it's the only game on this particular list that's designed solely for two-player play. And I think if you're going to get a, a two-player game, and there's a lot of them out there, but this is one of the few that kind of stands out as just a perfect fit for the amount of time it takes to play, for the expandability, for the price point, 
for how portable it can be. It's a perfect fit, and it's, you know, again, would have to replace this one. It's, it's very important in my collection. So the next game is part of our Essential Collection. It's a very attractive game. What you say, Daniel? Uh, th- this game is uh, is Gravwell, and... What? Uh, surprise, surprise, I advocated for it. But bum, bum, bum. I think that Gravwell is the best racing game on the market by an astounding distance. Uh, not only do I think it's just more fun than most of the racing games, I also think it bridges that gap between uh, easy to learn, right, and hard, you know, incredibly difficult to master way better than most other racing games do. They either tend to be way too simple and you get bored of them after a week, or way too complicated, and no new player's going to sit down and play them with you. Gravwell is, I think, friendly to the new player, though for the first half of a playthrough, they're going to be scratching their heads. Uh, and it's such an interesting and novel take on racing that I just cannot think of a better racing game. It is probably the first game I would replace if my collection got destroyed. Uh, it, it's absolutely one of my favorite games of all time. You can mark this off as more Daniel being insanely biased towards this game, but I really do think it has earned its place here. I'll second you, Daniel, and I'll, and I'll say why. Because I recently picked up Gravwell, even though you have this game, and even though it's your favorite game, and I never need to open my copy of it, but I did feel that it was that essential to own. And I, and I guess for me personally, because of its simplicity, now we talk about great games being simple and easy to learn and yet having really interesting decisions that you have to make i think ravwell does that really well it's such a refined slick game that i think if this game has a little more outreach to the public and i think you're doing a great job at that this will be an essential game as part of everyone's collection it recently got a reprinting so you know you might see this around a lot more the next game that should be absolutely part of your essential collection is Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Daniel, why don't you take this one away? Uh, Flashpoint is another one of my absolute favorite games. Uh, and if it were to be ironically destroyed in a fire, I would replace it very quickly. Um, <laughs> Flashpoint is a game where, of course, you play as fire rescue personnel, uh, rescuing people and cats and occasionally garbage bags, if you're unfortunate, uh, from <laughs> a Blazing Inferno of various kinds. I think it's just about the best cooperative game on the market if I had to pick only one. One of the reasons is because it scales very easily. Flashpoint can play with the, the, you know, the kitty gloves on and be very gentle if you want to make it be gentle. And it can totally wreck your life if you want it to. And it moves smoothly between those two extremes. So you don't have to just set it on easy or hard mode. Uh, there's all sorts of gradients in between. And then coupled with the enormous numbers of expansions, the different roles you can take, uh, it's a remarkably replayable game. I've never had anyone be disappointed playing Flashpoint. I've never had anyone walk away from playing Flashpoint and not want to play another game. I don't know how this game came out of almost nowhere and kind of took over as far as co-op games are concerned. But it once again, it has the simplicity and has the complexity of thought and action. And it doesn't have that alpha gamer problem. It's You really do feel like you're playing part of a team. And someone needs to knock down the wall. And then someone needs to run in and put out the fire. Then the next person needs to grab the people in danger and get them out of there. And then someone needs to get to the truck. So 
it really does play as a team, and it's really fun to see that. The next game on our list is not a small game by any extent, but it is a small world. So if you're looking for a game, especially for me, if I'm looking to rebuild my collection, I'm going to start off with Small World. Now, the reasons for this is, one reason that Daniel was talking about earlier is scalability. If you're playing with two people, there's a two-player map. If you're playing with four people or five people, there's maps for that. In addition to that, it has so many different races, and they're interchangeable with their special abilities. It has nice area control mechanics, and I don't think there's a game out there. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Risk. I don't think there's a game out there that does area control better than Small World. It's so much fun. It's so colorful. The components are great. Days of Wonder did an outstanding job with this game. It really should be part of anyone's collection. Small World is essential. Uh, yeah, I'll second that, Chris. I, uh, I've played Small World for, golly, a long time now. It's actually one of the few games I had before I met you guys. Uh, and it never gets old. It never gets boring. It never gets repetitive. And I didn't even have the expansions. Once you throw those in, it's just such an amazingly flexible and deep game that it's a, it's a hard one to pass up. Sure, I own all of the expansions, and I'm so happy to do so because I love to see all the different combinations come together, and it really does fantasy right. All right, so let's roll on down to our next game, and that would be Roll for the Galaxy. Now, this is a brand new game that we added to our collection, and it really needs to be there. Now, Race for the Galaxy is such an outstanding game, you know, tableau building at its best. And it didn't seem like there could be anything that could possibly knock that game out. And you would think that at this point, Race for the Galaxy would be part of an essential collection. But being that this is the new essential games, Roll for the Galaxy honestly literally rolls right over it because the game components are so outstanding. The dice, the cups, the chips, the boards are really great. Plus, it takes away some of that randomness and actually puts back some strategy that some of the other expansions in Race try and sometimes somewhat kind of accomplish, but more times than not, doesn't. Roll for the Galaxy is a beautiful game, great creation, and definitely the next step as far as new essential games are concerned. Yeah, so Roll for the Galaxy is, is uh, you know, it seemed like when it first came out, it was we kept talking about comparing it to Race, but... You know the theme is the same, and a lot of the mechanics at least derive from the same place. But it's a it's kind of its own beast of a game. Like I could definitely see myself owning both, and if I did own both, and something were to happen to both of them, this is probably the one I'd want to get back first. Um, even though I repeatedly voted for Race for the Galaxy over this in our uh, our bracket, um, it's just it's uh, accessibility wise in terms of. The tightness of the game and just the the feeling of the play itself it's uh it's got so much going for it so definitely a strong uh pick in terms of building out your collection and having good essentials in there another game that made it to our final rounds in our board gamer anonymous bracket for 2015 was caverna now you know that we're big euro game fans and if there had to be a euro game that was essential to any collection and we know this game is expensive, but Caverna truly is 
the quintessential worker placement game. It is Agricola 2.0. Now, for me, I still love Agricola. I still love playing Agricola. But once again, if you had that situation where that fire came down and took out your game collection, it's going to be Converter that I'm going to replace first. And one of the reasons for that is the gameplay is more complex, and yet at the same time, it's more welcoming to new game players. And it's just so much fun to dig through that tunnel and all the different options. It's so much to gameplay. It's a fun game. It's a great Euro game. And it doesn't choke you to death if you do one tiny thing wrong. Yes. Yes. That last part being the most important part. Um, As somebody who never enjoyed Agricola and has had a tough time getting past that hump, Caverna, I had the exact opposite experience with. So much so that after having played it just once, the first time I played it with Chris, I bought it and am perfectly glad I did and would replace it. This is an amazing game. It's got so much going on. The box is like 30 pounds of stuff. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's it's awesome. And my son likes to play with the Animeeples, so it's got that going for it too. And once again, this is another game that we have two copies of in the same gaming group. And we're happy with it. <laughs> we're fine, man. Else I would play this with other than you guys, but I have one too. So whoever's house we're at, we're set. Yeah, this is an amazing game. It's one of the few worker placements that I'll not only play, but will actively seek out. And it's been hovering near the top of my buy list for a while now. One of the newest games that we feel should be added to your essential game collection is Dead of Winter. Now, we talked about co-op games a little bit before as far as Flashpoint kind of being the really kind of quintessential, I wouldn't say gateway game, but the quintessential co-op game. Dead of Winter does some different things here. Daniel, why don't you talk about those? So Dead of Winter is probably the single best implementation of what's called a trader mechanic in a co-op game. That's where someone in the group may or may not be working against the best interests of the group. The reason that the Dead of Winter implementation is so much better than everyone else's is that most games have, you know, they'll have one or two traders, but to find the trader, all you have to do is look for the person who's acting funny. Especially since in co-op games, you're usually allowed to share a fair amount of information. You'll just say, hey, can you help us out? You know, hey, why don't you go over there? They're like, I don't, I don't think I should go over there when it's clearly <laughs> obviously the right move. Well, they're the trader. Well, in Dead of Winter... There's two tricks. The first is that there may not, in fact, be a traitor at all, and you have no way of knowing that until the game is over. The second is that everybody has their own side missions that makes them work somewhat against the good of the whole. By doing that, it hides the traitor way more effectively than any other game. Couple that with the innovative crossroads mechanic, uh, which has sort of event cues, uh, events queue to cause special effects and all the really cool characters and the fact that it is the only zombie game in the world that actually feels like a zombie game. And Dead of Winter is an absolute essential. So the next game on our essential collection is San Juan. And once again, I'm going to let Daniel take this because he is still aggressively tracking this game down even though we have multiple copies in the gaming group i love san juan so much <laughs> uh it's one of the very first games i played with the the 
uh, meetup gaming group at the late great Myriad Games, and I have wanted it since the first time I laid hands on it, and I have not yet gotten it. I I I, I need to buy it. I need to get it. It's uh, an amazing game. It was out of stock for a very long time. It's back in print now, so I'll have to pick up a copy soon. But it's a fantastic game where you build a tableau. One of the things it does is something that I generally love, which is that the numbers on the cards represent numbers of cards. Cards do everything in this game. You don't have to keep track of anything else. It's all about the cards. Uh, and I love that sort of elegance. Uh, it's just one of the best games out there i think and an absolute must-have speaking about card games another essential americlash type of game that you absolutely need to have as part of your collection in this new essential game collection would be smash up now we talked about the brackets before and that's one of the great things about smash up they're always looking for brand new factions genres fan interaction and they want to smash those all up together and it's really fun to be able to bring these almost infinite numbers of factions together. So you could have robot zombies or you could have ninja pirates. And you kind of put this deck together. You play cards on a base. And once again, you're fighting, I don't know, cyber apes with dinosaurs and alien ghosts and things like that. So an outstanding fun game plays a good number of people and the artwork is fun and interesting, and it's at a low price point. So if you're building an essential game collection, you should think about Smash Up because there's so much fun in such a small little box. Yeah, this is one of those games where when I first heard about what it was and what it was supposed to be, it sounded ridiculous. And it manages to pull it off, and it pulls it off so well that they keep doing new ones. So <laughs> eventually they're going to fill that box you got. Ah, uh, I tell you, and and, I, and once again, and for me, that's a mark of an essential game, that I did enjoy the game so much that I went out and bought this enormous, big, geeky box, this just big, empty box with just one expansion to it, and I'm going to probably spend the next several years filling this game up. That's how essential and great it is. Another card game that you should add to your new essential collection is seven wonders now i don't know what more we can say that we haven't said over the last i don't know dozens or so episodes about seven wonders but just like when i was talking about the broken token insert this game deserves to be treated like the eighth wonder of the world because this is card drafting at its best this is artwork at its best this is expansions done at its best whether you're adding cities leaders babble or the all the other expansions that are soon to be added to this game you're gonna have a great time this game scales well but it also plays with a large number of players this is one of the very few games that if you see seven players sitting at a table and seven wonders is there you're fine you're gonna have a really good time and the Seven Wonders Duel game is coming out at Gen Con. And it's going to be another essential game part of your collection because everything they do with Seven Wonders, they do right. Yeah, Seven Wonders, I mean, it made us. It brought us together. I love that game. And I can't imagine not having access to it. It's an absolute must-have. Yeah, and I cannot wait for that Duel game. That's going to be awesome. The next game on our list is a game that if you can personally be any type of game... You always should be Suburbia. 
<laughs> now, Suburbia is a tile placement game. You're building a tableau. And what's so essential about having this game is it does that so well. You have a market mechanic. You have a tableau mechanic. And based upon where you place the tiles, things interact so well and so thematically, and they interact with other players. So it's one of these Euro games that you really do need to keep an eye on what everyone's doing because you're going to benefit off them or lose based upon their choices. So Suburbia, and obviously its expansion, is an essential part of any game collection. And the final game for our new essential collection is Mice. And, and the final game to add to any new essential game collection has to be Mice and Mystics. Anthony, why don't you take this one? Yeah, this is a game that uh, is one of the first games I owned, actually. My wife bought it for me for our anniversary a couple of years ago from a laundry list of games I had been building that I wanted. And it's this kind of hybrid, perfect game that works in so many situations. And then I painted the pieces and I've sleeved the cards and I've played through the game's first few chapters a dozen times and I downloaded the special audio and I've played with you guys, I've played with strangers, I've played with the family and everybody loves it. It's so perfect. And because they keep releasing new content for it, it's not getting stale at all. But even if they didn't, the story is so fun and so accessible. And if you do have children, it doesn't matter if they've heard it a couple times because... As you know, your children are going to destroy everything you love by making you watch it a thousand times. <laughs> um, it's just, it's perfect for all those reasons. And it, because it's a game, it's not the same every time. And that's just so much fun. So it, it can be complicated in the fact that it's a little more challenging as you get further along. But there are ways to make it easier. You can skip over stuff that's too tough for your kids. Or you can play with adults and you don't feel like you're playing a children's game. It's, it manages to find that perfect line in between all of those different things and just keeps building on it, too. And it's they're up to two expansions now. The newest one is a big, big box. I don't know. It doesn't look like they're doing an expansion this year. They're doing a new version or new take on that universe um, with tail feathers, I think they're calling it. So it's birds. But even that, I'm like, I don't even know what the game is, if it's any different or if it's the same kind of game and a different, you know, with different characters. And I'll probably pick that up, too, because it's just been that good. Yeah, this is an amazing game. And it's like a game night in a box starter set. Right, You bring this out one time, but like, oh, by the way, I've got 16 more chapters of this. If you guys want to come over again and play, you have a game group right there. Done. Settled. <laughs> Forever. Forever. Uh, so yeah, Mice and Mystics, absolutely wonderful. So to wrap up, that's our gamer frequently asked questions. What are the new essential games? So we gave you 15 essentials. Alhambra, Diamonds, Friday, Summoner Wars, Gravwell, Flashpoint Fire Rescue, Small World, Roll for the Galaxy, Caverna the Cave Farmers, Dead of Winter, San Juan, Smash Up, Seven Wonders, Suburbia, and Mice and Mystics. These games are essential for so many reasons, but especially because you'll be playing these games for the rest of your life. You'll pass these games down to family and friends. These are heirlooms. These games tell stories. They bring people to the table again and again and make strangers like it did with us 
family and friends and you're going to bring so many people together and that's essentially why these games should be a part of your collection. So that's everything for this week. Be sure to keep in contact with us on Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, our guild on Board Game Geek. Support us on Patreon. We could really use your support. Be sure to keep in contact with us. Let us know what you're thinking, what questions you have for future Frequently Asked Questions, and especially for our listener feedback episode, episode 74. We'll be recording that on June 9th. So please try one of these different ways to reach out to us and get in contact with us so that we can get to know more about you. Till then, this is Chris. This is Anthony. And this is Daniel. And until next time, we'll always save you a seat at our podcast because you're an essential part of everything we do here each and every week. <laughs>